Good morning, everyone. This is Professor Smith. Um, we are going to have a brief broadcast about the interactions and adverse reactions lecture. As I step back and think of the overall theme of this lecture, what I'm really trying to stress is the importance of every time we're passing a medication that each individual can have any of these types of reactions. Um, so it's kind of a broad um, a broad lecture that's applicable to every time that you pass medications um, and to help individuals understand the implications of taking medications um, even when they're at home. So overall, we have to understand that medication safety can happen in, it needs to happen in all aspects. So even taking the medication, giving the medication to an individual client, uh, but also making sure that the, uh, the med reconciliation has been done appropriately. And this is checking to make sure that the medications that we start someone on in the hospital can, are the ones uh, are the same ones that they should be taking at home. We also need to make sure that the medications that they're on in the hospital are the same ones that um, they will be going home on as well. And some of that will change depending upon, well, this individual medication may be affecting their um, electrolytes or their blood pressure, and they're being admitted to the hospital for electrolyte or blood pressure issues. And so those wouldn't be times where we would want all the medications to match up. Um, so each time that we look at them, we have to make sure that we're making the appropriate choices for those medications and the way that they're applicable to the individual client. Also, we need to make sure that, that we safely dispose of medications. We talked about being um, uh, having uh, specific medication disposal bins at the nurse's station, uh, but also when individual clients go home, how are they disposing of medications? Are we talking with them about that? Um, the biggest, or one of the main things that, uh, or one of the things that I saw as working in, a, um, in an outpatient clinic uh, was that there was difficulty in disposing of needles. So are we uh, discussing, you know, sharp sharps containers going home with individuals so they can put them in, put the needles within the sharps container and safely dispose of them um, at a pharmacy or an ER or a clinic. So overall, when we give medications, we're looking for that expected pharmacologic action. We have their therapeutic actions that we're trying to use these medications for. Uh, the the uh, example uh, that we talked about during class was diphenhydramine. Its expected pharmacologic agent is that it's an antihistamine medication. We're usually treating that, using that to treat allergies, um, but we can also use diphenhydramine uh, for motion sickness. We can use it for nausea. We can help it for sleep um, aid. It is a known sedative, um, and it also can be part of a treatment uh, plan for Parkinson's. So we have the expected therapeutic action, which is it's um, antihistamine uh, properties, uh, but also we have the therapeutic uses, so all those other ones, so anti-emetic, um, sleep aid, uh, and its adjunct use in um, Parkinson's disease. So that's what we want it to do. What we don't want it to do is to uh, potentially have side effects that are limiting, but overall looking at side effects, that's the unintended effect of a drug that occurs at therapeutic doses. So we're giving it at the at the appropriate, giving the medication at an appropriate milligram level, um, and individuals are having side effects. The most common side effects are nausea, um, uh, constipation, diarrhea, and dry mouth. Um, these are kind of the, the everyday side effects that almost every medication has, but we need to discuss uh, these side effects with individuals. So overall, GI side effects are the most common.
side effects are both predictable, um, uh, are, are, can be predictable, um, they can be desirable, but they also are more than likely going to be undesirable. And as we go towards some individual medications, we'll talk about how we um, are using some medications, um, not necessarily for their therapeutic action, but for the uh, the side effect profile. So there is an antidepressant that we can use that um, has a sedative effect. Um, and so sometimes we use that antidepressant for a sleep aid. It's We know it's a side effect of taking that medicine. And so really we're using it for the side effect, but not the intended therapeutic action. Um, a lot of the side, uh, a, a lot of the education that we're talking about with individuals includes the discussion around the side effects, how to manage them, getting individuals ready to to feel what these side effects are, or potentially, you know, if they have a side effect, if these medications have a side effect of constipation, maybe we're increasing fluids and increasing activity. Um, so overall, side effects are usually manageable, uh, but they can lead to um, uh, non-adherence to plan. Okay, so then we shift up uh, to a to a different degree, and this is now the adverse reactions. Adverse reactions are unintended and unexpected effects of a drug that are more severe and can be life threatening. Okay, so what we're talking about here, we'll go back to our example: diphenhydramine. Uh, the side effects: a dry mouth. Um, it can cause some drowsiness. Uh, but there are some more serious life-threatening um, effects of that drug to include dizziness, which can cause falling. They can, it can also cause seizures. Um, it can also cause hyperactivity and excitation in children. So all of those are labeled an adverse drug reaction. So remember, side effects are anticipated. Um, but unintended, and then adverse effects are unintended and unexpected. Um, and they're usually almost always more severe and have the level, uh, or they can go to the level of potentially being life-threatening. And the most life-threatening side effect, or the most common life-threatening side effect of a new medication or of any medication is an adverse reaction called hypersensitivity type 1 reaction. This is an allergic reaction. It's IgE-mediated. Um, it, uh, it is a reaction of the mast cells in circulation where they have this profound release of histamine uh, that causes vasodilation, smooth muscle spasms. Um, it can cause some smooth muscle contraction. And when we say smooth muscle uh, spasm and contraction, we're talking about the airway. And it also increases membrane permeability. So you get that leaky hose effect that we talked about in class where the fluid, um, the, the vascular, the vasculature becomes, um, very leaky and the, and the, and the fluid that's supposed to remain inside the vessels goes outside of the blood vessels, causing a profound decrease in blood pressure. Okay. So when someone's having an allergic reaction, we have to figure out who witnessed it, um, kind of the background information. And I'll let you look through that slide in the PowerPoint. But an allergic reaction, a hypersensitivity type 1 reaction that has gone to anaphylaxis is an emergency. It's an absolute emergency because of its effects on the airway. If we take away a patient's airway, then they can no longer breathe. So this is one of the, one of the, the biggest emergencies when it comes to allergic reactions. And we discussed and we will discuss in the future treatment for 
um, uh, treatment for anaphylaxis includes epinephrine, antihistamines, corticosteroids, fluid replacement, um, and H2 receptor um, antagonists. And we'll go through those as we get deeper into the year. Epinephrine's coming up very soon in the lectures, um, and we'll try to tease out why those drugs are, why that drug uh, is so good for um, uh, an anaphylactic reaction. And as we look at the overall uh, population who we are serving, this also includes pediatrics. Pediatrics with an, an allergic reaction that leads to um, anaphylaxis is very concerning. Remember, their differences in airway. Their airway is much smaller and can close up much quicker um, and can be very difficult to intubate once anaphylaxis has gone uh, too far uh, down the road of of progression, and it can cause some very serious uh, issues to to include death as well. So, post after they've had an allergic reaction, then we have to um, overall just try to figure out, go back to what triggered it, what were we doing right, what did what did we do that could improve uh, other ways to avoid uh, the allergen, and then there's a potential, you know, do they need to have skin taste testing done? Um, um, and, and they absolutely 100% of the time after they've had an anaphylactic reaction, they need to be discharged home with an epinephrine pen. The next type of adverse drug reaction is called Stevens-Johnson syndrome or erythema multiforme major. Um, this is a, a rare and serious reaction to medications. It can happen to infection, uh, secondary to infections as well, but it's almost... It, it, for our purposes, we're going to stick only to the medication reactions. This is um, a blistering on the skin and mucous membranes of the mouth, eyes, genitalia, palms of the hands, soles of the feet. Medication that can contribute to this or that can cause this are some anti-gout medicines, antimicrobials, and anti-convulsants. Those two are the main causes that we'll focus on during the, the year. Um, and it kind of presents like hand, foot, mouth, fever, sore throat, fatigue, cough. It's like the systemic illness that's happening. Um, and it's really, by it's really diagnosed on history, physical exam. Uh, this can be life-threatening. Uh, if Stevens-Johnson syndrome progresses into what's called TENS, T-E-N-S, uh, that's an acronym. If it progresses into TENS, um, it's almost 30% fatal. Um, and remember, anywhere where there's epithelial cells, this blistering and burning can happen. So it can happen in the GI tract. It can happen um, inside the bladder. It can hap happen. It can occur in the vaginal canal. So really, anywhere with epithelial cells, Stevens-Johnson syndrome can happen. And remember, an allergic reaction happens right away um, or within the first couple of days of taking medication. And Stevens-Johnson syndrome is something we're expecting weeks to months after the um, medication has been started or sometimes even finished. So it's more of a delayed systemic reaction. Okay, so now let's shift gears a little bit and go into administration risk reduction. So this is talking about when you walk into the room and you have the medication, what are the things that you need to think about before you give the individual their med? So we have to individualize the medication to the client can we know we do know excuse me we do know the side effect profile of these drugs do we think it's a good fit for that client uh, we also have to understand the kinetics and dynamics of the drug and if there's any block black box warnings and we'll go through black box warnings uh, later in the semester but those are known um, um, known serious um, life 
excuse me, serious life threatening um, adverse drug reactions um, that has shown to increase a risk of death or severe injury to an organ. Um, and we'll get into those later, but just know that black box warnings are a big deal once we start talking about them. So we understand the kinetics, dynamics, we know the side effect profile, we've talked about the risk versus benefit with the individual. We now need to make sure that when we are passing the medications, we minimize the harm. We stress the importance of the rights of administration. You can look at those in the PowerPoint. Um, but also there are additional rights of medication administration to include, are you assessing the patient before and after? Um, whatever organ system that we're affecting with that drug. Are you documenting the right way? Are you educating the client? If it's a new medication, are you really spending enough time with them as, so that uh, so they can understand it? Um, and then understand that an individual has the right to refuse medication. Just like we are going to go and educate and spend that time, it doesn't mean they have to take that drug. So each client is an individual. So medication errors are preventable. Um, and they can lead to death. So things that we need to make sure that we're doing at the bedside is we need to um, minimize medication errors as much as we can. So the most important thing, one of the most important things is two patient identifiers, um, name and date of birth. You'd ask that every time before you give a medication. And you also use the assistance of the computer when you're scanning the name, um, uh, you're scanning the wristband of the client, uh, but you're also scanning the medication you're checking it, that checks it through the work that the pharmacist has done. So making sure that we're not doing any workarounds. If the computer system says that there's something wrong with the medication administration, stop what you're doing and restart again. Okay. And if a medication error happens, especially we're talking about the population of uh, being in nursing school, stop what you're doing, get your clinical instructor immediately. Um, and at this point, your clinical instructor is right next to you giving medicine with you. So just understand that um, medication errors can happen, um, but all the systems that we have in place are to uh, help prevent uh, medication errors. So stop passing the med, get your nurse, get your clinical instructor, um, and then uh, go through the appropriate steps as outlined by your clinical instructor. The next thing when we talk about interactions and adverse reactions, so the side or the, the safety of giving medicines are our drug interactions, and we've talked—excuse me—touched on this before, but we need to be very careful about drug-to-drug -drug interactions. Drug-to-drug -drug, uh, interactions can decrease or increase the absorption of a drug. They can increase or decrease uh, the anticipated uh, um, therapeutic action, um, and some of them are unanticipated, and some of them are undesired as well. Uh, and some we're actually doing it on purpose. We're giving these medications together to enhance each of these individual medications. So one of the, uh, the next things to think about, and we'll point out when these drugs have specific, when drugs have specific drug food interactions, one of the main ones to understand is grapefruit juice. We'll go through the year and we'll point this out a few times that grapefruit juice, as it uses the same enzyme uh, is excuse me, as it has the same enzyme that breaks down grapefruit juice, it um, as the medication that we're giving the cytochrome P450 to be specific um, alterations in metabolism of the drugs happen, and so then that can lead to potential um, negative side effects. Other things that can cause drug food interactions are fiber, high protein meals, uh, and then the timing of meals overall. So drug-to-drug -drug interactions are categorized A are categorized A through X. 
category A and B, really no interaction, no action needed. It's safe to give these drugs together. Uh, but then once we get into C, D, and X, we need to be very careful. X, um, that's going to be an individual provider decision on whether or not they're going to give a medication, two medications that have a category X uh, drug to drug interaction. But um, very few and far between will those be given together if there is a category X drug to drug interaction. The next concept that we want to talk about is polypharmacy. Polypharmacy is using one medication to treat the effects or the side effects of the uh, pre of another medication that the patient is taking. So they're taking drug A. Drug A has a side uh, um, um, has side effects that are un uh, unwanted by the patient or the client, and then the provider comes along and then prescribes a second medication to take care of the uh, side effects of the first drug. Polypharmacy is when we start to get into um, adding more and more drugs and then increasing the risk of drug-to-drug -drug interaction. It also has been shown to decrease adherence to plan because now we're taking multiple medications. It's even hard to remember to take one medication daily, and not let alone you know, two or three um, that we're just treating side effects for. Um, and also we need to be careful when we are looking at polypharmacy with over-the-counter medications but just the concern about over-the-counter medications in general, um, there's not a lot of research or resources out there right now uh, that we have for over-the-counter, some of the over-the-counter medications and their interactions with uh, prescribed medications. Uh, but just know that uh, individual clients have complete access to many types of medications um, that might affect the drugs that they're taking um, with you in the hospital that they might have taken just before coming to the hospital, uh, but also when they go home. Okay. And overall, over-the-counter medications or OTC, they, they should cause some pause. They should cause some concern for you. Uh, we need to consider, um, are they able to read the instructions? Do they understand the instructions on the side of the box of the OTC medications? Um, we need to make sure that they feel comfortable reaching out to us as providers or nurses, if they don't understand what they're taking, why they're taking it, or how they're taking it. Um, and then the difference between generic and brand name, a lot of the focus of what we'll do this year is leaning all of the of the entire class towards, um, you know, the the use of generic names. Um, but the, the, the one that is right on the front of my brain that gets mixed up the most is ibuprofen, Motrin, and Advil. All three of those medicines are the same exact drug. But when you sit down with a client and you say, okay, tell me what medications you're taking for uh, your, your knee pain. I have knee pain all the time, so I'll use that as an example. What are you taking for your knee pain? Oh, well, I'm taking 400 milligrams of ibuprofen, and I take 200 milligrams of um, Advil, and I take 200 milligrams um, of another NSAID. Oh, those medications together... Uh, when they're the same drug, can have profound effects on the kidneys and actually lead to renal failure. So these over-the-counter med over medications, they should cause some concern. They should cause thought, excuse me, more than concern and give us pause and time for discussion. Um, and uh, especially with the pediatric population, over-the-counter medications are weight-based. We have to be careful we're not overdosing, uh, but also potentially underdosing individuals with over-the-counter medications. So Stop, pause, think about safety, think about it, making sure that you're identifying the right client, 
think about the side effects, think about the adverse drug reactions, and making sure that you're doing every step of the medication administration process correctly. Because when you do, medication administration is safe uh, and it is, uh, is mostly effective. There are times when it is not, but you've got to make sure you're doing all the right steps on your end. Uh, and then we can adjust the plan as needed. So, so that concludes our review for uh, 5106 Interactions and Adverse Reactions Lecture. Thank you for your time.